Support for On Something comes from the Rodman Law Group, a Denver-based law firm with a global reach. The Rodman Law Group specializes in cannabis, hemp, business, and securities law. Learn more at therodmanlawgroup.com. Support for On Something comes from Way to Grow, providing growers and gardeners with knowledge and tools for hydroponic and organic urban gardening since 2003. With locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, learn more at waytogrow.net. From Colorado Public Radio and PRX. This is On Something. Okay, so ever since the last season of our show ended way back in the fall, I've been trying to get an interview with Willie Nelson. I mean, we host a podcast all about legalizing weed. And here's a guy who has been all about smoking weed, singing about weed, legalizing weed for decades. He even has his own legal weed company now where he is the chief taster. So back in the normal times, we were going to go and have the iconic Willie Nelson moment in a very specific place. Willie Nelson, thank you so much for having me on the tour bus before the show. I mean, this is awesome. I like um, I like your air freshener. It's not bad. No, it's... <laughs> it's very relaxing. It's very thank relaxing. you. Is thank it lavender? You. Is that lavender I'm smelling? It could be. Could be. We were going to fly out to one of his tour stops and do the interview on his turf. The bus. The honeysuckle rose. The guy tours like his life depends on it, and the bus is practically his second home. Much like weed, it's part of the legend of Willie Nelson. The bus is so a part of Willie's identity that in 1998, when the Kennedy Center honored him, the bus was invited on stage. They told us we couldn't do this, so of course we did. Brought your best friend, all 21 tons of In any case, the bus and I, we missed our chance to get acquainted this year. Due to the coronavirus and social distancing, there are no shows, no tours, no live music at all. The stuff that basically makes up Willie's natural habitat. Willie, you're on with Anne-Marie. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi there. Very nice to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. So we decided to call him up and talk to him about his long, occasionally troubled relationship with weed. We also wanted to see how he's been doing since he's had to park his tour bus for a while. Of course, I'm not the only one. All the other artists are having to deal with the same thing, but... It's, it's really no fun. This is On Something, stories about life after legalization. I'm Anne-Marie Awad. And this is season two. It's not the time or even the way we expected to start it, but we're here. And we're here with Willie Nelson. Obviously... You know, you've had a really long relationship with marijuana. It's something people know about you. What does marijuana do for you? Why do you like it? Keeps me from killing people. Oh, okay. That's a good reason. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I get real angry. I have a temper. I'm, I've been red-headed most of my life, and mm-hmm. they call me the, you know, the red-headed temper tantrum. So, yeah, weed is a huge part of Willie Nelson's persona. Maybe you've heard, roll me up and smoke me when I die. And it sounds like all fun and jokes. But this is a guy who credits cannabis with saving his life, or at least saving him from himself. And that's kind of where I am, and I've had to deal with that temper uh, all my life, and so have everybody else around me. So let's take a moment and trace that relationship with marijuana back to the beginning. Willie was born in Abbott, Texas, just four years before marijuana became illegal federally in 1937. He would smoke his first joint more than 20 years later in Fort Worth, Texas, in 1954. He had just ended his college career to focus on his music career, singing in honky-tonks while working part-time as a radio DJ. performing any work for the Communist Party. In his memoir, he wrote that he and a friend were sitting at a bar watching the McCarthy hearings on a black-and-white TV. Doris Day was playing on the jukebox in the background. You with the stars in your His friend turned to him and said, Willie, let's blow some tea. Willie asked if he could have a bit of tea to try later, because, like a lot of people at that time, he was scared of marijuana. You know, he had seen Reefer Madness, which came out when he was a kid. And more vicious, more deadly, even than these soul-destroying drugs, is the menace of marijuana. He said movies like this, quote, said I would go crazy and stick up a bank and rape little girls and murder innocent people if I blew tea. He wrote that his friend rolled him a joint and, quote, told me to get high and be somebody. Later, on the drive home... Willie pulled over to the side of the road and took that advice. He smoked that whole skinny joint, and he felt nothing. For the next six months, he bummed joints off the same friend, smoked them all the way down, and same thing, nothing. But finally, he figured it out. And he says, quote, since then, I have made up for those wasted six months. the 60s, after he moved to Nashville, Tennessee, Willie joined the Cherokee Cowboys with Ray Price. Price, the Cherokee Cowboy himself, would go on to be a hit maker and eventually a country music hall of famer. You know, I traveled a very long time and uh, kind of suspected that he might smoke, uh, but he never smoked, you know, around anybody. And one day I went to his room for something and uh, went in the, the front door of the room, and he was in the bathroom, and I looked over, he had a towel between, <laughs> uh, between, between uh, the floor and the bottom of the door, and I said, wait a minute, Raymond, what are you hiding in there? And, you know, we opened up about it. But, yeah, he was an old marijuana smoker from a long, long time ago, right. and uh, he realized a long time, too, that it should be legal. What, were, what do you think he was trying to hide, or what were you trying to hide? Well, it was pretty goddamn illegal back in those days. So, uh, you know, uh, you had to hide it. 
or could go to jail, and he wasn't necessarily hiding it from me. There was probably hiding it from the maid and the you know the hotel security and all that, all those things that could get you in trouble. So right. uh, we had to hide it back in those days. Right. After leaving the Cherokee Cowboys and going solo over the next decade, Willie briefly thought about retiring from music altogether in 1970 after a streak of misfortune. He moved to Austin, Texas, where the Austin sound, the blend of rock and country, was starting to take shape. Shotgun Willie sits around in his underwear. And it inspired him. Biting on a bullet, pulling out all of his hair. A shotgun, Willie's got all of his family there. He got back in the game. In the 70s, Willie Nelson was one of the pivotal figures in a movement called Outlaw Country. It was rougher, punchier, closer to the rock side of country. Willie and his friends grew long hair and started wearing leather jackets. In his memoir, he wrote about experimenting with psychedelics in the 70s, even playing a show on acid. Like, a lot of acid. Really? But she never complains of the bad times or the bad things he's done. The country music lifestyle of non-stop touring was full of whiskey and hard drugs. It was not what she would call a healthy lifestyle. People he performed with during this time, like Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, they are all gone now. I don't want to be the last man standing on the second thought, baby, I do. It's getting hard to watch my pals check out. Cuts like a wore out night. One thing I learn about running the road is forever don't apply to life. In 2018, Willie released the song Last Man Standing. Merle Haggard had just died a couple years before. Maybe we'll all meet again on the other side. We'll pick and swing, load up the buses and ride. When I, I had started smoking a lot of cigarettes, drinking a lot of whiskey, doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing, and when I got to the point where I couldn't breathe from smoking cigarettes. I took all of my cigarettes, threw them away, rolled up a big fatty, <laughs> put it in there with um, where the Chesterfield used to be, and I haven't had a cigarette since, and I haven't had a drink, you know, maybe a sip every now and then, but nothing like I used to do. Mm. So my major bad habits, I think I pretty much have a hand on. All right, so now we know why Willie has such a strong personal relationship with marijuana. After the break, we learn when that personal relationship became both an important cause and sometimes a legal liability. Hey, it's Anne. I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Listeners like you make On Something possible. Hundreds of thousands of people have listened to our podcast since it launched back in 2019. You've been there with us while we've explored everything from CBD to cooking with cannabis to social equity across the entire industry. It is really humbling and I am so grateful. The reporting, the stories told, and the issues explored, you made all of that possible. 
And if you feel like helping our show, head to onsomething.org and contribute if you can. Once again, thank you so much. Can you think of like a particular moment when you went from a regular pot smoker to an advocate for marijuana legalization? Well, the first time that you know I realized it was really illegal was the first time I started thinking about that ain't right. You know, it shouldn't be illegal. It's it's uh, can be helpful if used uh, right, and uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. So I remember meeting him briefly and smoking a joint and it, telling him about Normal. Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, founded in 1970 by this guy, Keith Stroop. Like me, he had been trying to get a face-to-face with Willie for a while, but he got lucky and finally ended up on the bus after a show in D.C. But like he said, it was brief. And then I got to know him a good bit better right after Jimmy Carter had been elected president. It was 1976. Keith ended up on the bus after a few more shows and finally got his chance to talk to Willie about advocacy. Willie is, I think, one of the most valuable advocates we've ever had. I used to tell him, (laughs) I'd say, Willie, uh, you're America's most beloved marijuana smoker, but you need to keep in mind you're the only beloved marijuana smoker mm-hmm. for many of those years. For any other major entertainer or, or celebrity of any sort, if you would have been so out front with your marijuana smoking, I think you would have you would have paid a heavy price for it professionally. So. The hippie movement is really the beginning of a big shift in how America sees pot smokers. In the 50s and 60s, there were still all of these popular racial stereotypes about who pot smokers were. But now, in the 70s, as overwhelmingly white kids start getting busted for pot use, suddenly the issue shifts. In 1970, the Nixon administration made marijuana a Schedule I drug. And over the next decade, various states passed laws decriminalizing marijuana in response to that, something that Keith Stroop and Normal had a hand in. It started to go from being a moral issue to being a personal freedom issue. Willie, at this time, had one boot in the conservative world of country music and the other in the Austin counterculture. He was trying peyote and having revelations with the kids, all the while playing music that their parents loved. His appeal reached across generations and political divides, so Willie chose to basically be the face of normal. Well, it was kind of a no-brainer. Well, I don't know whether I should be careful or not. I mean, I'm proud of my celebrity status, and if it can be helpful in whatever I believe in, well, what's the problem? Over the years, he's held benefits and recorded ads for Normal. And before you ask, yes, he recorded the ads while he was on the bus. Hi, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And like millions of other responsible Americans, I smoke pot. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana. And it's none of the government's business. Let's get the government out of our private lives once and for all and stop arresting smokers. Let's take a stand for personal freedom. In 1994, Willie became co-chair of Normal's advisory board, and he still holds that position today. 
Keith, he actually wrote something about you very recently. I didn't read it. What did he say? Well, he said a lot of things. <laughs> but um, the, the particular part that struck me that I wanted to ask you about was um, this quote. He says, it's evidence of a special regard average Americans feel for Willie, despite his marijuana use. Because he's considered one of them, a Texas-based regular guy, they protect Willie from the consequences other marijuana smokers might face. Do you agree with that? No, I don't don't agree with that at all. They haven't given me any special treatment at all. I'm wondering, what's the most memorable time that you've gotten busted before for weed? (laughs) The most memorable? Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're all rather memorable. A U.S. Border Patrol station in Texas says Nelson was arrested on Friday. Anderson? Well, Joe, as you know, uh, Willie Nelson, no stranger to... uh, well, should we say joint investigations? Is that, <laughs> yeah, you could call it that. He's pretty unapologetic, bona fide pot aficionado. One time I got busted in El Paso, and, and then me and Tony and Gator, my driver, and they threw us all in jail in the same cell there. And, and we were sitting around and singing, Nobody, you know, the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, like, what were the circumstances of that case? Like, what did you get in trouble for specifically? On this particular one, well, we've stopped at the border between El Paso uh, and Texas and New Mexico border, and uh, they decided to pull us over and go over the and see what we had on the bus. And so they found some marijuana, so they uh, took us to jail. Yeah. It was 2010, and it was the Sierra Blanca checkpoint, nicknamed Checkpoint of the Stars. It's right when you're leaving New Mexico and entering Texas. It's not actually at the border between the U.S. and Mexico, but nonetheless, it is a customs checkpoint. And it's notorious for stopping and searching most everyone, but especially famous touring musicians like Fiona Apple, Nelly, Snoop Dogg, and Willie. When agents found six ounces of marijuana on Willie's tour bus during a search, he claimed it. So they charged him with possession. During sentencing, the prosecutor offered Willie a plea deal that included singing for the court. Blue eyes crying in the rain, to be exact. Blue eyes crying in the rain. For what it's worth, he did not actually have to sing in court. The judge said the song request was a joke that went too far. And ironically enough, she did not want to give people the impression that Willie Nelson might be treated differently. As outspoken as Willie can be about issues that are dear to him, like marijuana legalization, at the same time, he does not like to talk about politics. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not a political guy. He's been raising money for Democrats for most of his career, and just recently he played a virtual fundraiser for former Vice President Joe Biden. And yet, from time to time, people seem surprised that Willie supports candidates on that end of the political spectrum. Case in point, 2018. He announced he was headlining a rally for Democrat Beto O'Rourke, who was running for U.S. Senate in Texas at the time to unseat Republican Senator Ted Cruz. Some of Willie's conservative fans weren't thrilled and criticized his choice to support a Democrat. 
he went on The View to respond. And people are shocked at that, that you would support a Democrat. Why? <laughs> Why? Do they have some misunderstanding of you? I don't know. I guess so, because I've been supporting Democrats all my life, you know. But... <laughs> but I think they have this image that you don't. Why? I don't know. I yeah. have no idea, uh, because, you know, I haven't hidden it that much. But he's... he's... Willie is going to perform. He's not just supporting the guy. He's performing at, a, at a, an event for Beto, correct? Yeah, we're doing a little fundraiser there in yeah. Austin. And yeah. many of your fans took tremendous issue with this. Yeah. You know, a lot of your fans didn't like it. Why do you like care. him so much? He doesn't care. <laughs> but that, that, he doesn't care, so let's just move on. I don't care. You know, they're entitled to their opinions, <laughs> yeah. and I'm entitled to mine. That's right. And as if to leave no room for doubt... He went on to debut this song at the rally, his last number of the night. If you don't like who's in there, vote them out. That's what election day is all about. But why would there have been any room for doubt? Like he said, this is a guy who has been supporting Democrats his whole life. He's not exactly shy about what he believes in. What is it that you think those fans see in you, that they kind of overlook the fact that you're very different from them politically? Well, I hope we can talk about music and not talk about politics. Uh, Whenever you go to one of my concerts, we don't talk about politics at all. We leave all of that horseshit at the the bus or at the door. And uh, uh, when we go in there to play music, that's what we play. And... uh, uh, you know, somebody asks me what I think about something, I'll tell them, regardless of whether it's good for me or not. Yeah. I'm as free as the breeze, and I'll do as I please. I'm just a bombing around. I got a million friends. In pre-pandemic times, it looked possible that a critical mass of states might legalize cannabis in some way by the end of this year. We could have been looking at legal weed in some form in more than 40 states. And it's still too early to tell exactly what impact the pandemic will have on all of this. Some states, for example, are still moving forward with gathering signatures. A few states are taking a closer look at legalizing as part of broader criminal justice reforms. But some efforts might just fall by the wayside. Willie, however, stays optimistic. And he has reason. This man is 87 years old, and he has seen a lot of change in his life. So I'm curious, what do you hope happens in the next few years with marijuana legalization? I hope they legalize it, tax it, use the money. Uh, In fact, I had a a little statement that I wanted to make sure I told you folks. that We need to end the federal ban on cannabis, stop putting people in prison for it, And we need to open up the federal banking system and accept taxes nationally. I don't see anything wrong with that. We take the tax money, we use it for good things, and uh, I can't see that as a problem. You've been around since before the start of the drug war, and I'm wondering, you know, based on what you're seeing now in the country, do you feel like you might be around to see the end of it? There's a possibility that we could, you know, we've already seen... Uh, It ending in several states, several places, Uh, locally. I think we will see more of it nationally in the future. 
Willie is not, of course, a lawmaker or a political candidate or really even any kind of person who is in the room where it happens. He's a guy with a guitar. But for lots of people, that has been enough. He's got this outlaw brand that is enduring and popular, and his weed use is a big part of that. In a lot of ways, it's one of the reasons legalization is a conversation that's even happening today. Willie helped mainstream it to a lot of people who would have been otherwise uninterested. Hey guys, sorry, it's Meredith. Um, can we, I have his next interview next. We, of course, wanted to spend all day talking to Willie about this, but... All right, well, I guess it's time for me to let you off the hook. It was really great talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Nice talking to you, Anne-Marie. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Hopefully, to be continued someday on the bus. On Something is still a labor of love, reported and written by me, Anne-Marie Awad. It is a production of Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio and CPR News. The show is produced by Rebecca Romberg. Our editor is Curtis Fox. Music by Brad Turner and Daniel Mesher. Our executive producers are Kevin Dale and Brad Turner. On Something is made possible by lots of talented people like Rachel Estabrook, Francie Swidler, Kim Wynn, Dave Burdick, Allison Borden, Matt Herz, Kendall Smith, and Jody Gersh. Our illustrator is Iris Gottlieb. See more of their art on Instagram at Iris Gottlieb. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This podcast is also made possible by Colorado Public Radio members. Learn about supporting Colorado Public Radio at CPR.org. You want one more take of it? Yeah. Messed it up so many times? Okay. (laughs) I wouldn't phrase it that way. I just messed everything up over and over again. (laughs) Support for On Something comes from the Rodman Law Group, a Denver-based law firm with a global reach. The Rodman Law Group specializes in cannabis, hemp, business, and securities law. Learn more at therodmanlawgroup.com. Support for On Something comes from Way to Grow, providing growers and gardeners with knowledge and tools for hydroponic and organic urban gardening since 2003. With locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, learn more at Way to Grow. From PRX.